So the reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 33. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Hi, good morning. I hope you're looking forward to a sermon on marriage. If not, imagine my poor son with his girlfriend having to listen to this. We feel for you, Joel. Gosh, that's a tricky situation to be in, isn't it? Let's pray as we begin, shall we? Uh, Father, turn your face towards us and speak to us through your word, your Son, and in the power of your Spirit. Give us grace to be not just uh, attentive listeners, but to be obedient hearers, putting into practice all that we learn through your word. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good. Ephesians 5. Look, we've... A couple of years ago, looked at what happens when marriage goes wrong. We talked about divorce. If you want to talk about that, uh, I can email you that sermon and we can go through that. We're, we're going to think about when things go well, what marriage should be like this morning. And I hope it will be helpful for all of us, whether we're uh, married or not. We're going to start with this, though. Uh, here we go. Uh, artist or name of painting? Anyone? Anyone? Artist or name of painting? Sean? It is Van Gogh. And the painting is called Sunflowers. Good. Uh, name of painting or artist? You put your hand up. That's so lovely. Are you a teacher by training? It is Vermeer. And it is a Girl with a Pearl Earring. Uh, last one. It is Banksy, and it's Girl with Red Balloon. Very good. Now, look, the, the, the probability is, uh, at least most of us haven't seen the originals, and yet we all know them. 
Those are all familiar pieces of art, aren't they? If you count Banksy's as a piece of art, I do. Uh, but we all know them because we've seen copies. Uh, the, the prints aren't as good as the originals. Uh, Van Gogh's uh, sunflowers I have seen in the original. And if you go to that uh, art museum in Amsterdam, you'll see it. it's about a quarter of an inch thick. It's like he's sculpted the, pla- the flowers in oil paint. The print just can't do it justice. But the print is enough to show us the amazing skill of the painter. It makes us want to see the original, the real thing. Well, look, when it comes to relationships, there is a covenant, as Matt has helped us see this morning, there is a covenant between Christ and the church, between God and his people. A covenant, a promised relationship. That's the original masterpiece, isn't it? That's the, the true and perfect art that's marveled at through all the centuries. But in his goodness and his wisdom, God has made for the world a million copies of that original that the whole world can see. And uh, we had it there in our passage as it was read to us this morning. Uh, just look with me, will you, at verse 31. But for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. It's so important that this is the right place to begin. I want you to see what it is that Paul does. First, he he takes us back to the opening chapters of the Bible, to the Garden of Eden and our first parents, Adam and Eve, And he shows us their their wedding ceremony, their marriage. And he says, look, this is the marriage that characterized the perfect world that God made. There is the the marriage that sets the bar for all other marriages. But really, human marriage, verse 32, is ultimately always about Christ and the church. Christ and the church. That's the original. That's the... The real beauty, let's get rid of Banksy for a moment, Uh, that's the Christ and the church is the covenant relationship we should all want to see and experience, but this, this copy that God has created for all the world to see human marriage is not a bad replication of the original, a loving covenant, a lifelong union between a husband and a wife. Now look, we'll go through uh, this passage in Ephesians 5. We'll see quite how husbands and wives are to love one another, how they display to the world this relationship between Christ and the church. But before we go on to the practicalities, let's just reflect on some of the initial implications. Uh, First, this means that we all ought to have a really high view of marriage. This isn't a man-made creation a man-made relationship people didn't invent marriage god created marriage in his perfect world and here in ephesians 5 we see that paul elevates marriage so that it serves as this wonderful living signpost this copy that points the whole world back to the original back to jesus christ and his love for the church We ought to have a high view of marriage. I take it then we ought to pray for marriages, whether we ourselves are married or not. We ought to 
We ought to make sure our society sees how just how good and wonderful and important marriage is between a husband and a wife. And if we are married, we want to see that a significant part of our working out our faith, of living for the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to be playing our part in the marriage relationship well. Uh, Second implication, because marriage is created by God and not by human beings, that means he alone gets to decide how marriage should be lived out. He's responsible for the ultimate covenant, the covenant between Christ and the church, and so he alone gets to decide how the copy of the original works. You remember, in the beginning, God the Father creates all things through his word, the Son. And one of the main ways we human beings rebel against God, I think I've become more aware of it in the last few years, perhaps you have as well. One of the main expressions of of the world's rebellion against God is to pretend to act as if we have the power to create with our words as well. We, we pretend, even insist, that if we say something is so, then it is. But we don't have that power. Only God has the power to create. It, we could pick a thousand contemporary examples of this. L- let me point you to one that you've probably seen in the news. A 50-year-old man uh, in Canada has claimed to be a woman... But not just a woman, a young girl, and has competed in swimming events, been allowed to, with girls aged 16, even sharing their changing room. Uh, He didn't win the, the, the tournament that he was in, he came second. Nevertheless, he says he is a woman, and so we're expected to believe him. Human beings like to think that they have the power to create with their words. A man can say he is a woman... And, and it is so. We're all supposed to therefore go along with it. But that's just not true, is it? Only God can create through his word. Only God has that power. Uh, we've been doing something similar with marriage for, for a little while in our country now, saying that uh, a man can marry a man or a woman can marry a woman. But you see, it's not for us to create marriage as we see fit. It's not ours in the first place to do with as we wish. Our words don't have that power. Marriage doesn't belong to us in that sense. The act of creation was God's, not ours. He made marriage, and therefore he gets to say what marriage is and what it isn't. And he says that marriage is a a loving union between a man and a woman in lifelong exclusive commitment Uh, thirdly third implication before we move on and this will help us as we do move on since since god created marriage then it's for him and for only him to tell us husbands and wives how we are to live in obedience to him in marriage Uh, paul's going to explain that for us uh, and the details are going to be important for us and as the apostle paul does explain about husbands and wives He's very clear right from the beginning. He's not drawing from Roman culture. He's not drawing from his Hebrew upbringing. He's not basing principles on people's personality or character or competence. You like leading more than me, so why don't you be the head of the marriage? There's none of that here. Now, the Holy Spirit, working through the Apostle Paul, 
is directing Christians, showing husbands and wives how they're to live based on, remember, that original Christ and the church. Now that means because sinners corrupted the world in which we live, this teaching is countercultural in every culture, in every age. It will cut against the flow, and it certainly does for us today. What, what does marriage involve then? Well, uh, at verse 22, can you see wives first of all? That's where Paul begins. Let's, let's think about wives then, and we'll start there. Marriage is a copy of the original, remember? The original is the covenant love of God for his people. Wives uh, play their part in, in marriage as this copy. Which party are wives to look at to, to learn how to play their role as wife? Well, verse 23, verse 24, Paul says they're to look at the church, first of all. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, look, we understand how the original works, don't we? Jesus Christ is our Lord. We're Christians, if we're Christians, we're part of the church. Uh, we obey the Lord Jesus in every way. Uh, the, there is no part of our lives as Christians that Jesus isn't concerned with. He is our Lord and Savior on Sundays in church, that's true, but he, he's my Lord and Savior at school or, or at home. Uh, at the supermarket, he's my Lord and Saviour when I'm on the football field or on the school bus. As a Christian, as part of his church, all of my life is given for him. And so the Apostle Paul writes, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Or to start the paragraph, verse 22, uh, wives submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. The, the, the role of a wife is based on the church's relationship to Jesus. But because of that, we can go further, can't we? And we can say that part of the purpose of being a wife in a marriage is to show the world how wonderful it is to be a part of the church which gladly submits to the lordship of the Lord Jesus himself. Now, because of the age in which we live, let's, let's just fill out some of the gaps there. The Bible tells us that women are created equal with men, equal in value, equal in love and in faith, in character, equal in ability, equal in competence. The Father and the Son in heaven are equal, aren't they? And yet the Son of God willingly submits to his Father in heaven, we heard that prayer, we hear that prayer. He prays, not my will, but yours be done. The son willingly submits. And the church willingly follows the Lord Jesus Christ. That's true, isn't it? We say as Christians, not our will, but yours, Lord, be done in, in my life. And so wives willingly, gladly, the Apostle Paul says, follow the lead of their husbands in marriage. Not my will, but yours, they say. Now, there are limits, aren't there? This is a human copy 
of a divine original and our humanity limits us or more specifically sin limits us. If a husband should demand his wife to do something which the Bible forbids, well, the Christian wife must disobey her husband. And if a husband should demand that she not do something that the Bible compels, well, again, the Christian wife must must disobey her husband. Her loyalty is to the Lord Jesus Christ first. There are limits because of sin. But loving submission of wife to husband, the Holy Spirit says through the Apostle Paul, is the norm in Christian marriage. Look, three thoughts again, three kind of implications to mull over. Uh, The first one's this, let's not read things that aren't here. Let's not read things that aren't here. Three verses, Paul isn't describing here what we might uh, kind of imagine a 1950s housewife to be. That's, that's definitely not in this text, is it? Uh, Proverbs 31 pictures a, a godly wife who, who loves her husband and her kids, who is active in a community, who runs a couple of successful businesses. Uh, a woman, Proverbs 31 verse 25, who is clothed in strength and dignity. This is the woman that's lifted up as a model, as an example. That's not a 1950s housewife. Uh, look, at. Uh, uh, Families can work out loads of things on their own, can't they? A Christian wife in discussion with her husband might choose to be a homemaker. That's a wonderful thing. But but it's not presented in the Bible as a more godly path in life than for a wife to return to work, for example, after having children. In a similar way, the Bible says nothing about wives doing the indoor chores while their husbands do the outdoor chores. That's not a bad division of labour. It kind of works for Dawn and I, as long as she helps me a bit outside. (laughs) You're free to do that if you'd like to. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. But that doesn't emerge out of the scriptures. You're free to shape these things how you choose. We mustn't read into this things that aren't there. Uh, Secondly, that said, let's, let's not be ashamed of God's word or God's pattern for marriage. I think that's the challenge for many young women who are married in the church today. Let's not be ashamed of the word submit. That the Son of God lovingly submits to the Father. That's not an embarrassment. We don't think less of him for it. That is a beautiful, wonderful thing. All Christians gladly submit to the Son of God. It's not a bad thing again. It's not a thing to be embarrassed or ashamed about. It's a wonderful thing. Submit is not a curse word. It describes a beautiful dynamic which exists even in the Godhead. We mustn't therefore hold, even for a moment, that the pattern of marriage that we find here in the Scriptures is anything but good for us, all of us, and for the world in which we live. Sin, a wife's or a husband's, it might corrupt marriage, it might damage marriage, that's true. But there's nothing at all wrong or embarrassing about the pattern that God himself lays out for married couples here in Ephesians 5. Thirdly, wives. Verse 22 is really interesting because, can you see this? There's a connection, there's something intimately connected 
between how you live for Jesus and how you live with your husband. Submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Uh, There will be many times when your husband is not in any human way worthy of your loving submission. That may be most of the time. He may never be. But that's not the basis of your submission. You submit as a wife to your husband, not because your husband is awesome, but because Jesus Christ is awesome. And you want to obey him. And so you obey him. Do you see? Well, we ought to turn the spotlight to husbands now. If you're a husband like me, Look, just verse 25, You genuinely, your hands should tremble when you see the pattern that you must follow. If you think that wives have a tough call, goodness, husbands, you should quake. The, the calling to be a Christian wife is a high calling. It, it, it really does take great love and patience, godliness, to be a good wife. But the standards expected of a husband are almost unbelievable. Paul takes us not just to the Lord Jesus Christ as the example. He doesn't simply show us Jesus' love for the church. He takes us to the cross where Jesus gave his life for the church. And he says, that's where you've got to look, husbands. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. But you know elsewhere in the Bible uh, that the love of Christ seen in its fullness at the cross. Elsewhere, the Apostle John uses that as the very definition of love. This is what love is, the cross. That's love in its most pure, most, if I can put it like this, most divine form. It's the love of Christ for the church which took him to the cross. And the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit says, look, that's the example you must follow as a husband. That's the standard against which you and I, brothers, will be judged. It's good to know of our weaknesses, I guess, where we might fail. In Genesis 3, following the fall of humanity, we see that even the marriage relationship becomes, becomes distorted by sin. The Achilles' wife, Genesis 3, seems to suggest the Achilles' heel for the wife will be to, to want to lead her husband. That's the battle wives will most likely face as they wrestle sin within their hearts, within marriage. For husbands, in Ephesians 5, the, the weakness or the temptation is slightly different, I think. It will, the temptation is to lead our marriages without proper regard for the genuine welfare of our wives and so Paul gives us this brilliant challenge that he knows every single husband in every culture in every age will be able to relate to it's really good to have impact here with us this morning uh, let's try and do a thought experiment on impact just for a moment. I- imagine for a moment, we can't do this, but let's pretend for a moment we can, that your dad could leave his body in the room for a moment and just step out outside. And you could grab a microphone and go and interview the body that was left behind. And so Seth takes the microphone and he goes to Matt's body 
and Matt's not here, so the body can answer honestly. And, and Seth says, are, are you being treated well, Matt's body? Well, how, how would the bodies of, of we husbands answer to such questions? I, I know how my body would answer. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've been treated really well. My, my owner feeds me when I'm hungry. Gives me too much chocolate if I'm feeling a bit stressed. It lets me nod off in front of the TV when I'm tired. If I'm cold, he goes and puts a jumper on for me. And in the summer, he even dresses me in the finest Hawaiian shirts to keep me cool and cool. He lets me listen to music and watch films. I'm never bored. He takes me for walks when I need to stretch my leg. My, my owner is just the best. That's what my body would say. Yours would, wouldn't it? I think that's true of most husbands. And so Paul says, look, husbands, you are brilliant at caring for your own body. And so if the call to look at Christ on the cross seems too distant for you, too ethereal, just just think practically about how you care for yourself. And then go and care for your wives in the same way. Verse 28 Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, verse 29, just as Christ does the church. As with wives, now uh, with husbands, let me offer three reflections, three implications for you. First, I, I guess I want you to notice something that's not there. Did you see that Paul doesn't say anywhere in this passage, go and lead your wife? Isn't that really interesting? Your wife, if a believer and God-fearing, will submit to your lead in marriage. But your job is not, says Paul, to force her submission. Your role is just to love your wife. That's That's the repetition here. That's the stress. It's interesting, Paul has to repeat things for husbands, perhaps because we're a little bit duller and we need the repetition for it to drill in. Verse 25, do you see? Love your wives. Verse 28, here it comes again. Husbands ought to love their wives. Verse 33, a third time. Husbands love his wife. It's not hard to see the stress. Your goal as a husband is not to dominate. Oh, that's awful. It's not to press your wife into obedience. Not to force your wife to submit. Your role is to love your wife. Love your wife with such a pure and sacrificial love that to follow you becomes just an easy delight for her. Uh, Secondly, see how the love of the Lord Jesus Christ is described as being of a real benefit to the church. Uh, We we won't talk about wrinkles, that could be misunderstood. Uh, Christ's love, verse 26, cleanses her. Uh, His love, verse 27, makes the church radiant. Here's the bit we'll pass over the wrinkles. His love makes the church holy and blameless. Isn't that amazing? Christ's love for the church is of benefit, spiritual, moral benefit to the church. Husband, says Paul, your love for your wife must do the same. You you must love your wife in such a way that she is a happier, healthier Christian because of you. Your love must benefit her, even if it costs you everything, which it ought to, like the cross. 
you'll be the one that gets up early on a Sunday to get everything ready for church so that for the rest of the family, coming to a service is just a joy. It's not a chore. You've done the work to make sure that's the case. You'll be the one who perhaps put excuse me, a folder together so that over breakfast each morning you can pray for a different family in the church or a different missionary family. You'll make family devotions just something the kids love coming to, that your wife benefits from. You'll be the one who prepares the evening meal so that your wife has the time to do the Bible study before home group because you love her. And because your love for her will have a moral and spiritual benefit. She'll be a healthier Christian because of you. Your sacrificial love is good and you know it's working if your wife is a radiant Christian woman. That's your goal. Uh, Thirdly, as we uh, talked about for wives, I guess same for husbands in this sense, you too have got to think about the Lord Jesus Christ. Meditate, contemplate. You've got to take time to rehearse the gospel. You must know Christ's love for you. Because just as he loves you, you must then go and love your wives. His love is patient and kind. His love for you doesn't dishonor you in any way. Not in private or in public. His love for you keeps no record of wrongs. His love for you, husbands, always protects you. Husbands, Jesus' love for you always encourages you, always gives you hope, always helps you to persevere. That's 1 Corinthians 13, if you recognize all those phrases. That's gospel love. Husbands, you must know and think about that love that God has for you in Christ. And then go and love your wife in the same way. Patient, kind, not dishonouring in public or private, keeping no record of wrongs, protecting, encouraging, giving hope, helping her persevere. If you've fallen short, you have, I have, of course you have, you're human. Repent to her, to God, say sorry. You ought to love her, she deserves that. If you fail, tell her. I'm sorry, I should have done better. God forgives, she'll forgive. Repent, resolve in God's strength to love her as you should. We must have a very high view of marriage, must we? We we must think and pray and work hard to do marriage right. We must be quick to say sorry, quick to repent when we have gone wrong, We must, men and women alike, live in faith to do this right. It's really important. Why? Because all marriages, our marriages, are a God-given copy for the world of the greatest covenant relationship of all. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but... I am talking about Christ and the church. Let's pray, shall we? Father, in the first part of the service, we remembered that you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Father, forgive us when we have uh, gone astray, when we have lost sight of your word. 
when we've denigrated what Jesus has said, when we've sought in many ways to sidestep the, the, the demands placed upon us. Give us grace, we pray. And in your mercy, strengthen us to live lives of purity and obedience in every way, but especially here in marriage. Help us as husbands and wives to love one another as we should. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.